What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season, and now this is going on our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, I always say this, but we definitely have a really fun show today because we have a really fun guest today because David Drogmeyer talks with Mike DeBate from the Locked On Pats podcast. Obviously, so much to talk about there with the Patriots, Tom Brady leaving, Rob Gronkowski unretiring and getting traded, what's going to happen with Jarrett Stidham, so much to talk about there. So the AFC East crossover continues, but we're going to start with the news. We got to hear from James Campen yesterday and some media availability, and we also got an update on Mike Pouncey's health, which is definitely something that needs to be talked about. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Wednesday, during a Los Angeles Chargers media availability, we got an update on center Mike Pouncey's health, and we also got to hear from new Chargers offensive line coach, James Campen. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. We have seen different coaches and members of the front office go through the media availability and give their comments. And on Wednesday, we got to hear from James Campen and Mike Pouncey. And the most interesting thing, the thing we have to start with, the thing we have to start with is that Mike Pouncey opened up on his health status. He had to finish the season last year on IR with a severe neck injury that put his career in question. And now we have heard Mike Pouncey in his own words, and he says, I feel great. As far as being cleared by the doctors that did my surgery, I'm pretty much got cleared by them. It's still a process, obviously, coming back from neck surgery. I'm just in the rehab stages. But if you ask the doctor that did my surgery, I've been cleared to play. So, David, this is huge news because, obviously, Mike Pouncey has been here only a couple of seasons, but he has installed himself as one of the key leaders on the Chargers offensive line. And I think he's a very important part of the chemistry that is going to have to be built by this new Chargers offensive line with the new addition. So this is definitely good news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a great veteran leader, a guy that's very well respected in the league. And it's great to hear that he was cleared to play by his surgeons. And I think Jason B. Hirshhorn of Sports Illustrated provided some much needed clarity on Mike Pouncey's comments when he said that he feels great and that the doctor who did his surgery cleared him to play. But he also mentioned that that's not the same as getting cleared by the medical staff, however. So the Chargers doctors still need to get their hands on Mike Pouncey and clear them for themselves. And those are the only people that are going to really be able to clear him and make it official that he is healthy to come back and play this season. Mike Pouncey also had a couple of other very interesting comments. He talked about Phillip Rivers, and he said, I feel like every Phillip Rivers fan, and it sucks to see him play for another team. I'm going to miss everything about him. I mean, anytime you have a quarterback-center relationship, they obviously work very close together. So good to hear some some comments on the longtime Chargers quarterback. The last thing that he said that I thought was very interesting was that he got a taste of what retirement felt like during this quarantine, and it made him feel like he said he is not going to retire anytime soon, Daniel. And I think that's something that Chargers fans will definitely want to hear, that he doesn't plan on retiring anytime soon. And I know he gave Phillip Rivers love, but he also did say that whenever you have a mobile quarterback, it helps you in every aspect. So I think he's excited about who is taking over as well. And speaking of the offensive line, we also got to hear from 
new offensive line coach, James Campen, who spent most of his years in the NFL with Green Bay coaching very, very good offensive linemen. Had a couple seasons in Cleveland as well, but he is taking over and he has a lot of work to do to fix a struggling offensive line. He talked, speaking very highly of Trey Turner, who was acquired from the Panthers and Brian Bulaga, basically saying they're everything you want in an offensive lineman. But the main thing he talked about was the left tackle position. He said that they've been discussing it a lot during this offseason, maybe more than anything else. And he did say, David, that he thinks there are options on the team. Yeah, he did. And a guy that he brought up was a rookie last year was Trey Pipkins, the third round pick out of Sioux Falls. And he had some pretty good things to say about him. He said, according to Daniel Popper of The Athletic, he watched tape on Trey Pipkins dating back to training camp last summer. He's a very intelligent young man. He gets what you're asking him to do. I think he has a lot of potential. So James Campen has a history of taking late round offensive linemen and turning them into great offensive linemen in this league. A guy that he knows very well and Brian Bulaga is a guy that he did that with and Bulaga is universally known as one of the better right tackles in the league. So he definitely has his hands full trying to shape Trey Pipkins but if he says he sees something in him then we'll have to see how that manifests. But we do know that he was extremely excited for the opportunity to get this job. He said he spoke with Anthony Lynn during his interview for a few hours and thought to himself please hire me so it was great to hear that he is excited to join the Chargers and we are excited to see what he is able to do with that unit absolutely and I think at least there's a talented group now in that room and there is some competition there that I think always will help the unit as a whole just having the best players have to fight for their spot on the line I think James Campen sees some options there, and he's the new coach in town. I think at this point, you tend to believe him until we see otherwise. So there are many coaches that will be under the spotlight this year, but I think James Campen is right up there, but at least it looks like he's very happy with the guys he gets to work with. But we do have two more segments to get into because we are doing a crossover with the AFC East today, talking with the Locked on Pats podcast with Mike DeBate. David Drogmeyer and him get after it coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that ever since quarantine started, I don't know about you, but I've been snacking more and I needed some healthier snacks. And one of them just decided to sponsor today's podcast because I'm talking about Built Bars. The best thing about Built Bars, they are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And when you're eating something that's healthy for you, how many times have you just been like, I wish this tasted good? Now you can have that with Built Bars. They're made for health conscious people to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And they have great flavors like peanut butter brownie and mint brownie that are all packed with protein. Right now we have a special offer. You guys can go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked on, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. That's promo code locked on, all caps, one word for ten dollars off your order at builtbar.com. Patriots fans and Chargers fans, when the 2020 NFL season begins, two franchises will be handing the ball to a new face under center. Gone are the legends that once occupied the position, and now the fate of these teams rests on the arms of two talented but largely unproven quarterbacks. Football fans, of course, we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers and the New England Patriots. And on Sunday, December 6th, 1.25 p.m. Pacific, 4.25 p.m. on the East Coast, the Chargers and the Patriots will do battle in the City of Angels, both of them wearing some snazzy new threads. But if I'm being honest, I think the Bolts got the better of that deal. <laughs> I'm Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots, and joining me today is Dave Drogemeyer, host of Locked On Chargers. 
Dave, thanks so much for joining me today. And this is a crossover that I've been looking forward to for a while. Yeah, you, we had talked a little bit before we started recording, and you said that you had actually covered the Chargers for a couple of years for a former publication uh, called Cover 32, you know, a site I know very well. I've read quite a bit of articles off that website, so I probably have uh, seen some of your work in the past. But yeah, after being so close to a team, it's uh, obviously going to be one that you circle and be really excited for. And I'm excited to learn more about the Patriots, uh, even though they are the evil empire. <laughs> welcome to the dark side i assure <laughs> exactly. you it will it will be a fun trip down foxborough uh, lane i i do assure you of that but not uh, the time that i did spend covering the chargers both when they were the san diego chargers and morphing into the los angeles chargers was a great experience it's a great organization and they were very very good to me and again that's why i did circle this one on my calendar for quite a while and i've been looking forward to it a big fan of what you and the guys do on locked on chargers and it's an honor to share the microphone with you today. But David, we'll start right off with your Los Angeles Chargers. And best uniforms in pro sports got even better, in my opinion. We saw your Crosstown Connor parts, new unis today. And, you know, I'll, I'll be nice. Let's, let's keep that clean. You know, we want to keep that clean rating that we so richly covet, my friend. Um, but seriously, for the first time since 2006, Philip Rivers will not be the starting quarterback in Bolt Blue. The veteran, of course, parting ways with the team, signing as a free agent at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, here in New England, we know a thing or two about losing a franchise player. We've experienced it ourselves. Uh, but by all accounts rookie Justin Herbert seems to be poised to take the reins, but Tyrod Taylor still is very much a possibility as well. We both know of his history with the Chargers and with head coach Anthony Lynn from their days together in Buffalo. David, what is the mood in Chargers Nation when it comes to the quarterback position, and how are the Bolts preparing for life after Phillip Rivers? Yeah, so I think uh, going into this year, they uh, fully expect Tyrod Taylor to be the starting quarterback of the Chargers going into this season. The coaches in the front office have all said that there's going to be an open competition, but I think in the back of their minds, they all believe that Justin Herbert needs a little bit of seasoning. And honestly, I think that's the best plan of action anyway. I mean, they're in a, a prime position to where they have con uh, Tyrod Taylor under contract for a very measly amount of money, five and a half million dollars. And I'm sure they're going to ride that till the wheels fall off. And this gives him an opportunity to get into the NFL playbook, get into a strength and conditioning program. Although he's already a very large kid. I mean, he's got a lot of athleticism and I think it's a, just a perfect situation because Tyrod Taylor is a mobile quarterback. That's what kind of offense Anthony Lynn wants to run. He said it multiple times. So, I think there's no better person for for Justin Herbert to learn under than Tyrod Taylor, get his feet wet in the NFL, get a year of seasoning under his belt, and then be ready to take the reins next year. Obviously, that's barring an injury, but I think everybody is pretty – uh, excited to see what a new offense is going to look like under Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, they're very sad uh, that Phillip Rivers and the Chargers decided to part ways. That was a beautiful marriage for over 15 years, and uh, he's the type of quarterback you absolutely love to watch, and we're, I'm sure most of us are going to be watching him, hoping that he has some success in Indianapolis. I'm so glad that you said that because there's so much – acrimony that seems to want to exist in some sects of 
fan social media about legendary quarterbacks parting ways with the team that they are always going to be remembered with. And I'm seeing that a lot in New England. And again, we'll get to that in just a little bit, folks. But I'm glad you mentioned about Tyrod Taylor and kind of setting the record straight on a lot of what we're hearing from Chargers Nation. Tyrod Taylor is a name that Patriots fans do know well, especially from his days with the Buffalo Bills and seeing what he can do. That marriage between he and Anthony Lynn has a real chance, I think, of being a pretty good matchup this year. And again, you have Justin Herbert waiting in the wings. There's a lot to love about that kid, and I I really do know that in some sects that the Patriots were definitely looking at him as an option. I'm not saying they ever seriously considered trying to trade up for him or draft him, but I do know from what they saw at the Senior Bowl, from what they saw at the Combine, and from what they saw just in his days at Oregon— He seemed to be the type of football player and the type of quarterback that they really admired and wouldn't mind employing. That being said, there is a lot to love about Justin Herbert. Exciting young players in the draft are something that I think the Chargers really nailed this year. I really was impressed by their draft as a whole, particularly guys like Kenneth Murray, who was selected with pick number 23. That's a pick they acquired from the Patriots. And a couple of late-round gems that I kept a sharp eye on throughout this draft season Aloy Gilman, safety out of Notre Dame, and K.J. Hill, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. I think he has the potential to be a great option in the slot for the Bolts. You know we love our slot receivers up here in New England, so K.J. Hill was a guy that I watched pretty closely. David, your overall impression of this draft haul, and who besides Justin Herbert has the potential to turn heads this year in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I love how you brought up K.J. Hill. I mean, obviously, in the, getting him in the seventh round is just an absolutely incredible value. Before the draft, you had plenty of pundits out there that had him going as early as the fourth round. To see him slip so far to the seventh, even Tom Telesco had mentioned that he wasn't even planning on taking another wide receiver. But when K.J. Hill was still on the board in the seventh round, it was something he absolutely could not pass up. So I think you could see some exciting things out of K.J. Hill. And the Chargers have had a void at their wide receiver three position the last couple of years since Tyrod, uh, excuse me, since Tyra Williams left in free agency to the Raiders. The Chargers have had absolutely no production from that position. But I think another wide receiver that they picked could have an even bigger impact, and that is their fifth-round pick, Joe Reed, out of Virginia. Joe Reed is a guy, when we first went into the draft, after the draft, had no idea what this kid was all about, had never seen any video on him. We were kind of like, who is this guy? Uh, but then you put on the tape and you see right away, this guy is the was the best kick returner in college football last year, won the award for that, the Jet Award for the best kick returner in the country. He is electric with the football in his hands in open in open field. He always makes the first guy miss. And, you know, I think if you look at the draft picks that the Chargers made, they really got guys that kind of emulate what Justin Herbert did well at at Oregon when he got the ball out of his hands quickly into a playmaker's hand to allow him to create and get yards after the catch. And that's something Joe Reed is going to excel in a lot. He's going to be an immediate impact player as a kick returner. And I think he's going to be given many opportunities to get the ball in his hands and show everybody what this guy can do. So to my next question for you, and that is the Patriots will be employing a beloved former charger this year in their secondary and on their special teams unit, and that is Adrian Phillips. 
I absolutely loved covering Adrian when I was in Los Angeles. He was the type of player that just was always in the right place at the right time. And he's in that mold of Patriots special teamers and defenders that I think can really be someone um, that can really make a difference in this team this year. Look, I think he's able to cover running backs, tight ends, wide receivers one-on-one, and always seems to be at the bottom of the pile and run support. He's literally everywhere, and he does everything for a defense. But you've had your sharp eye on him a little bit closer than I have in the last couple of years, albeit my attention has been more on New England than it has been on Los Angeles. But in your opinion, what type of player are the Patriots employing in Adrian Phillips this year, and how do you see him fitting in in New England? Well, first of all, we were all very upset and and kind of sad to see Adrian Phillips go, and we did not believe that the Chargers gave him the amount of contract money in the last couple of years that I think he richly deserved. I mean, this is a guy who got cut seven times and brought back and showed just incredible perseverance in believing in himself and believing in accomplishing his dream of being successful in the NFL, and he did that. He made splash play after splash play on special teams before he knocked the door down to get onto the defense. He forced his way onto the field. And you you already talked about it, how just absolutely dynamic of a defender he is because he is so versatile. You can move him all around the football field. He's a high character guy. He's a great leader. I think Patriot fans should be ecstatic that they are getting a a player of that caliber to join the defense. He's going to fit right in and he is going to make an impact immediately. We're going to I'm going to be watching him from afar. It's going to be a, a little sad to see him in a Patriots uniform, but I know he's going to succeed. He is a great NFL veteran and he is going to be a phenomenal player for the Patriots for a couple of years. Yeah, this was a signing that I was so glad to see because, again, I really liked covering Adrian when I was in Los Angeles. And having him come to New England and bring that special teams and that defensive prowess to this unit, both units, is going to be something that I think Patriots fans are going to really enjoy. And I think it's going to endear him to Pats fans right off the bat. And that also leads me nicely into my last question for you today, David, before we flip the script here on this crossover episode. And the key to making a seller to contender type leap, like the Chargers are trying to do this year, is finding those savvy veterans to bring along the young guns. I think the Chargers have done a great job with doing that this year. First of all, I love the fact that they franchised and brought back Hunter Henry, someone that I've admired for quite some time. I'll be honest with you. I had him on my very short list of of tight ends that the Patriots might target in free agency if he was able to make it there, but I never really believed he would. I didn't think Los Angeles would let him out of town, and I'm so (laughs) glad to see that he's returned. Um, In that vein, though, I also like some of the other moves that they've made as well. I love the the moves on uh, defense, particularly Nick Vigil at linebacker, Linval Joseph at defensive tackle, and, of course, Chris Harrison, cornerback. That adds to an already prolific defense when you employ Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on either side of the edge. That is a fearsome rushing tandem. In your estimation, David, when you look at what the Chargers have done this offseason, have they done enough to contend, and what do you believe is their ceiling in 2020? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, it's great to see that they finally put an emphasis on bringing in quality players on the offensive line. It's something that I feel that they, have, that they have neglected for the last several years as they have been ranked towards the bottom of the league uh, as far as offensive lines have, go, have gone. 
And they brought in guys that they know are going to come in and make an impact. Trey Turner, they traded for from Carolina, a five-time pro bowler. He is a nasty type of player, the type of guy that has a highlight reel full of pancakes. And then you bring in a absolutely solid right tackle, one of the better right tackles in the league in Brian Bulaga. And you say, oh, man, they got a really good right side of that offensive line now. But there's a giant question mark on the other side. They don't know who's really going to be starting at left tackle, and there's a little uncertainty at left guard as well. Mike Pouncey, the Chargers center, just got cleared uh, to come back to play NFL football after having another neck surgery. So you'll be seeing him line up on the Chargers offensive line. Now, I do like the moves. I think, honestly, Linval Joseph is quietly going to be a huge addition, and it's not going to show up in the stat sheet. It's going to show up in the fact that you're going to see Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and even in Chenna Nuosu get home a whole lot more because they have somebody that can actually bring some pressure and some push in the middle of that defensive line. That's something the Chargers have sorely missed, in my estimation, since Jamal Williams was their nose tackle. So, right. and that's that's the name for you if you're a, a Charger fan. But uh, yeah, <laughs> as far as it, have they done enough? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I think there's just such a giant hole at left tackle that if they brought in Jason Peters, I would feel a whole lot more comfortable with. And I would say, I would say absolutely because I think right now they have one of the top defenses in the NFL. I think they're they have they have the the qual they have the depth and they have the talent to be a number one overall defense if. Gus Bradley is able to put all the players in the right positions. But at the end of the day, it's about, hey, are they better than the Chiefs? Can they beat the Chiefs? Can they get the division title right now? I don't think so. Just because we don't know what this offense is going to look like with Tyrod Taylor. I think the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. And Tyrod Taylor is not going to give away the game. But I don't know if you can trust him to go out there and win a game. So that is where I'm a little bit hesitant. But I think the Chargers have all the talent in the world. And they can compete with anybody in the NFL. Agreed. And I again, I love what they've done this offseason. And I'm glad that you mentioned that you're not sure if they actually have done enough yet to be able to contend. The good news is, and this is the truth for all NFL teams, folks, the NFL rosters have not been set yet. There's still another wave of roster additions still to come, whether it be cut down time when you talk about training camp and even a little bit before that, when you start seeing some of these guys released that are cap casualties, when you're trying to fill out a roster and get rookies and undrafted free agents in, there's still a lot that can be done. So the jury's still out on this, but I'm always optimistic about the Chargers, and I think they have a good shot this year at turning some heads and maybe raising a few eyebrows doing that. David, you have provided a great amount of insight when it comes to the Chargers' potential in 2020. But this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover, my friend, unless we flip the script and you put me on that Foxborough hot seat. In just a moment, folks, David and I will talk about the tumultuous offseason in Foxborough and what it means for the Patriots this season when this crossover episode of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Chargers continues. All right, and we are back with the crossover edition with Locked On Patriots. And, of course, I am joined by Mike DeBate, and you can follow him on Twitter at MDebateFBC. So I think the first question for me is, you know, it's death, taxes, and the Patriots making the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty much what it's been the last, you know, 15-plus years. They were they went twelve and four, uh, but they were taken out by the Tennessee Titans, which was a huge surprise. How did the Patriots fan base kind of handle that loss? 
Uh, not well. No, I'm only kidding, folks. No, I think I think in a lot of ways, uh, Patriots fans saw a little bit of a difference in this team in the second half of the season. Obviously, you start the season off 8-0, and everybody is. It's the era of good feelings. It's, oh, can they possibly go undefeated? Could they run the table? I don't necessarily know if anybody had that feeling about this team, even when they were eking out some wins that maybe they shouldn't have eked out earlier on in the season. Look, bottom line the Patriots did struggle a little bit defensively when trying to contain the run. They struggled mightily when trying to contain tight end play. And that's two things that ended up biting them pretty badly uh, in the playoffs. And even in the second half of the season, Patriots had some real difficulties doing that. Um, There were difficulties on offense. They just could never find that rhythm that they so richly coveted, whether it be players running wrong routes, uh, whether it be offensive line protection, not being able to run and find seam and get the running game going to take pressure off of Tom Brady, it always seemed to be one thing after another that was essentially going wrong for the Patriots. That being said, they still went 12-4 and four and they still made the playoffs. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things where you take seasons like that in stride. I think people saw and had lower expectations for the Pats heading into the postseason this year. But ultimately, it was still a surprise to see them bow out in the first round. Tennessee Titans played them tough. They had a great game plan offensively, defensively. They knew what the Patriots' weaknesses were, and they exploited them. And a lot of what they've done in the offseason is try to take that pressure away and also try to build on some of the holes that they had in 2019. I think they've done that, but there's still a gaping hole under center. And, you know, as much as I do love Jared Stidham, and we'll probably get into that in a moment, and I believe he can be a very effective quarterback for this team, you can't expect to lose 20 years of excellence under Tom Brady and not take a little bit of a step back. It's not fair to Jarrett to put those expectations on him and expect him to come in and equal or eclipse what Tom Brady did. It's just simply not going to happen. So I think the fan base is reasonable. They were hit hard when they found out that Tom wasn't going to return. But at the same time, I think they're ready and eager um, and optimistic about what the future holds in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, you were speaking about those 20 years of, of excellence. And, you know, for the first time in 20 years, uh, besides a cameo from Matt Castle, uh, someone other than Tom Brady is going to be under center for the Patriots. And uh, right now, that man is, you know, like you mentioned, slated to be Jarrett Stidham. Uh, and, you know, we don't really know much about Jarrett. I don't know uh, uh, if any Charger fans, you know, honestly, if you ask them who that guy is or what he brings to the table, they probably would have no clue. So, Mike, the question I pose to you is, who is this guy, and what exactly can we expect from him under center, and do you believe he is going to be the guy? Uh, Well, to answer your question about who is Jarrett Stidham, Jarrett Stidham is essentially a very accurate, uh, a very poised, um, and a very confident young quarterback, and I think those traits are going to serve him well in Foxborough, which is why I do believe he will be the guy. There will be some growing pains initially. The one knock on Jarrett is the ability to get the ball out of his hands very quickly. That's where Jarrett can have some difficulties and he may struggle a little bit. That's what makes the Patriots additions to the offensive line and their investment in a guy like Joe Tooney placing the franchise tag on him, who is their starting uh, left guard. Their starting left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, is getting healthy. They need to keep that left side of the uh, offensive line solidified. That's going to protect uh, protect Jarrett. And if he has the time, he can step into his throws. He can make them. 
And folks, I can tell you, he can put it on a dime. I've seen this kid do it in practice. I've seen him do it at Auburn on some of the uh, the, fil- the film and footage that I've watched on him. So I believe he does have the ability to be able to make those throws. Mechanically, he's pretty sound. He does have a tendency to drop his elbow a little bit. If the Patriots see that early on in the season, that may be where you might see Brian Hoyer come in and maybe make some, I don't want to say spot starts because I don't think he'll take the starting position, but you may see him come into games if Jarrett continues to drop his elbow a little bit. That's a mechanical issue that I think is going to have to be addressed, and I'm sure it is being addressed in the offseason. If I'm aware of it, I can guarantee you Josh McDaniels is aware of it, Bill Belichick's aware of it, and uh, Jarrett Stidham is most definitely aware of it. So they're mostly working on that, but that may be something Patriots fans need to keep their eye on. Ultimately, I do believe that he is going to be their quarterback of the future, unless something happens this year that really changes the team's opinion on him. Because I can tell you from people that I've spoken to within the organization, they're very high on Stidham's capability. They love his poise. They love his decision-making ability. And they really like his arm strength and accuracy. So if he can hone all that in and be able to make better decisions with the football when he's pressured, he could have a bright future here in Foxborough. Well, the change didn't end there because uh, reports started coming out that former Patriots star tight end Rob Gronkowski was interested in coming out of retirement and resuming his NFL career playing with Tom Brady and Tampa. So tell us about how that trade went down and how it was received by people within the organization and Patriot fans. Well, there was a lot of acrimony that was created, I think, in the narrative surrounding this trade. And in all actuality, folks, there really wasn't all that much of it. Rob started getting the itch a little bit to come back. And regardless of whether Patriots fans want to hear this or not, I think if Rob was ever going to come back to a football field, I don't believe it was ever going to be in Foxborough. And there are a lot of reasons why you can read into why that might be the case. I don't think it was any type of animosity toward head coach Bill Belichick. I don't think it was the region. It certainly wasn't the fan base. Rob was beloved up here in New England. He will continue to be. I can tell you, he'll always be a beloved person up here when it comes to the fans. But ultimately, Rob decided that he wanted to come back, and he wanted to do that playing with Tom Brady, the only quarterback he's ever played with. You can't really necessarily blame him too much. So Rob went to the Patriots, advised him that this was the case. He wanted to come back. The Patriots realized that if Rob just filed his reinstatement, they would automatically be on the hook for $9.25 million in salary cap that would have necessarily forced them to make moves at this point that they really didn't want to make. The Patriots understood that. They worked out a trade, and by working out a trade, it allowed them not to take the cap hit for Rob coming back. Rob was able to go back, play with the only player that he wanted to play with, which is Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, and it allowed the Patriots to essentially move on, get a little bit of draft capital for a player that was never going to suit up for them this year. So I look at the trade as a win-win all around. I know there are some fans up here that are still a little bit bitter about the way all that went down, but I can honestly tell you this was pretty honest from the start to the finish, and I wish Rob nothing but the best. I know he'll have a great season with Tom down in Tampa, and I think it was a good move for the Patriots too. They were able to pick up an extra draft pick that they didn't have prior. All right, well, let's uh, transition to the draft now. I think the Patriots always seem to have some very strange drafts, and this year was definitely no different. Can you kind of give us an idea of the thought process behind, you know, what they were trying to accomplish with their 2020 draft picks? 
Absolutely. And I think essentially what they were trying to do is fill voids that were left behind, bring in players that they knew could fit their system, and they knew would provide them with depth and immediate impact. And that's exactly what they did. The Patriots are very much a plug-and-play type team. They want to find a player that's going to come in and fit the way they do business. And they do it as well as anyone in the NFL. Kyle Duggar was not a popular selection up here in New England. When he was picked, fans were absolutely livid. They couldn't believe that the Patriots would use the 37th pick, that high draft capital, on a player that I heard some people say they could have gotten in the 6th or 7th round. That's complete hogwash. Kyle Duggar was not going to go in the 6th or 7th round. Maybe he would have slipped to the 3rd. I don't know. But the Patriots had a high enough grade on this kid in their draft room to be able to pull the trigger and make that deal. Duggar brings a great deal of speed, length, size to Foxborough. He can cover tight ends. And as I said earlier, the Patriots had a real problem with that last year. I think Duggar comes in and automatically shores that up. Adrian Phillips is another guy that's going to come in and help them to be able to make coverage on tight ends this year a lot easier. So I liked the Duggar pick. Following suit, Josh Uche, the edge rusher out of Michigan. Josh, to me, is their best pick overall. He's my favorite of their picks. And this one was universally praised. I'm finding very few people that had a problem with this one uh, because essentially just that type of edge rush that he brings, that quickness, that bend, that closing speed, he's the prototypical pass rusher and can really thrive here in New England. They continued it with the next pick with Anthony Anthony Jennings out of Alabama. Anthony slipped a little bit, I think, because of the knee injury that he had in 2018. But Folks, he's a strong edge defender. He plays his assignment as assigned. I keep saying that over and over again, but to me, that's the type of player Bill Belichick loves, so I was not surprised for them to bring him in. I think he can make a definite impact on this uh, um, defense. And then, of course, the tight end position. Patriots tight ends were absolutely abysmal in 2019. And I say that with all due respect to Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste, who are hard players they're good guys, and they absolutely did the best they could last year. But when you get 37 catches, it's being tied for last with two touchdowns out of a position that is really a very big focal point of a New England offense, you can't continue that. Bringing in Devin Asiasi brings them size, speed, length. He's got an impressive athleticism. And I think he shows some upside as a route runner. And to me, I think he has the opportunity to be a very good tight end in this offense with Jared Stidham throwing him the football. Dalton Keene is another guy that they brought in. A lot of people were surprised they didn't go Adam Trotman in this case. I liked Keene. I liked Trotman. He was, to me, he was the prototypical Patriot. He's the guy I wanted. But the more footage I watched on Keene, the more I was convinced that he'd be a good fit, especially because he can play the H-back and the fullback. And that's a position they're going to need some help at this year, especially with the retirement of James Devlin. So the pass again. It seemed like a bit of. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Dalton Keene pick, to me, it just seemed like a bit of a reach. Do you think that was just, hey, we needed to get a tight end, so this is the guy we grabbed? In a way, I think a lot of people are seeing it like that, but the more footage that I watch on him and the versatility that Keene can bring, both as a blocker, as an option in the uh, the passing game, and also as an option in the power run game. Like I said, he can play that H-back or that fullback role. And with the retirement of James Devlin, the Patriots play such a premium on that. I think that's why they went with Keene. You can make the argument that he might be a rush. Will he ever really round into that third-round pedigree that the Patriots used on him? 
I think the jury's still out on that. I think it's a fair point, David. But at the end of the day, I think that's why they went with him over a guy like Trotman. I think they found the route running and the athleticism of Asiasi a little bit more appealing. And they brought in a guy like Keane to be that type of thumping tight end that they needed to kind of balance off the yin and the yang at that position. So, again, it's, you know, the jury is still out on that one. But I, I do believe they'll... I do believe that they'll uh, appreciate the pick of Dalton Keene in this role. Well, I think finally in an off season where there was just so much turnover and so much change, what are the expectations that the Patriots are going to go into with this season? Well, it's tough to say because I think a lot of people are expecting the Patriots to either completely bottom out in the AFC East or they're expecting business as usual. I like to quote Aristotle and say virtue lies in the middle, and I think that's exactly where you're going to see the Patriots end up. I think a very realistic expectation for this team this year is probably 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. At best-case scenario, they might eke out double-digit wins, but it's going to be extremely tough. This is a very tough schedule that the Patriots are facing, and I think people have to remember that. The other point is that the Patriots are now starting a new quarterback with a lot of new faces, and the preparation time and the preparation methods are unlike anything that we've ever seen before. A lot of this is all being done virtual. They need time on the field to be able to gel with one another, and we just don't know when that's going to happen. If the Patriots have to go into this season cold, it could mean for a long year in New England. And I know Pats fans don't want to hear that, but it's definitely a factor and something to consider. If they get the time to put in together and they're able to work as a cohesive unit and they start on time, then I think they could raise a couple of eyebrows here and maybe even eke out a couple more wins than people think. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about preparation. It's going to be about how Jared Stidham can carry the load, and it's going to be about how the defense is going to be able to carry this team because I think you're going to see a return to the early part of the Patriots dynasty, that 2001, 2002, pound the ball on the ground, manage the game from the quarterback position and rely staunchly on defense to be able to win you game. Well, Hey, I think that wraps it up nicely. I really appreciate all the great information you brought to charger fans. I think they definitely learned a whole lot uh, about the Patriots and what to expect for them in this upcoming season. Mike debate. It was a pleasure talking to you and uh, remember everybody, you can follow Mike on Twitter at M debate F P C that's Foxtrot Papa charlie so uh man great information and i look forward to doing this again when we do the crossover during the season all right well another special thank you to mike debate and i hope you guys really enjoyed this crossover week we got to talk with a lot of the teams that had very interesting storylines going into the season and mike debate definitely came in and got it done for us here again today so that is going to wrap things up for today's show tomorrow is undrafted free agent friday so We'll be unveiling a whole new batch of undrafted free agents doing a deep film dive on those guys and telling you what their chances are to make the roster. But until the next time, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify and rating and reviewing. We would really appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voices on the show, make sure to call 323-524-7924 because every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show and we'll definitely be doing some more voicemail shows soon because the crossovers are now over. So get your voicemails in, guys. But until next time, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.